Hello and welcome to another installment of the Y Football Podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. Today we'll be talking all about super agents, the top grossing among them, the history of football agents and their influence on the game. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Eches, good afternoon, how are you? Yeah, good. I had to think about that one. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I, was, I was wheeling the Gets album, which came out, I think it was yesterday. So, oh, it's nice. been, yeah, it's been pretty good. Aside from that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's pancake, pancake Day on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt like I should have made some pancakes. Attempted some uh, much later, actually, on Friday, just because I thought I would. And it just went terribly. So, oh, thought, I'd right. share, thought, I'd, thought I'd share that with people, just a bit, bit of pain in my heart. All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> How are you, Dron? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Southern have uh, finally had their takeover announced. So oh, you've been dying to announce You've been dying to Yeah, it was that, on Thursday, you? so we're finally... It's finally a bit of hope, Eches, that's all right. You know, we went through a lot, and, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it. But, you know, time has finally come, I think, anyway, for the club to actually move forward, so... I think we should stop that there, to be honest. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> So, Eches, why the episode on Super Agents? So this is um, an idea from a friend of mine, uh, Joe Haskins. Shout out to Joe. Um, he basically wanted to know about um, how Jorge Mendes came about, uh, you know, where he started and how he's basically become a super agent. Mm. So agents nowadays, especially the so-called super agents, are kind of seen as celebrities. You know, they speak freely about their clients at public. For example, Jonathan Barnett um, has had so many examples with Gareth Bale. You know, he's discussed discussed his future, criticized Zidane, he's done all sorts. And also, these agents are quite heavily involved during transfer sagas. I remember uh, Mina Raiola once said that um, Arsenal didn't have the balls to sign Henrik Mkhitaryan. <laughs> the balls. Uh, yeah, which is a bit mad for an agent to say publicly, but that's what these super agents kind of do, right? Um, so when we discuss super agents, we're kind of talking about people like Mina Raiola, Jorge Mendes, Pini Zavi, Jonathan Barnett. But, you know, what specifically makes them super? You know, how is their, how is their influence in football developed? And, you know, how much more will it grow? And also a little bit of backstory as to, you know, when did agents actually enter the game? I yeah. think it's quite an interesting point as well. And finally, are super agents actually beneficial for football? Yeah, because we, we hear about the super agents in the press, as you mentioned, but... There's actually a hell of a lot of uh, agents that exist away from that who are, you know, earning a lot less and are in kind of the day-to-day running of of football. Because, uh, I mean, there is a stigma around agents, super agents that are really interested in money. Um, but I think it's interesting to consider as well as kind of a playing devil, devil's advocate to an extent. But what do players feel or how do players feel about their agents? Do they really, you know, are they really thankful or, you know, how do they facilitate their careers? And I think it's an interesting topic to to discuss, I mean, regardless if you are Akin Fenwer or you are Kylian Mbappe, uh, you still have to play a bit, a bit of a game of cat and mouse with your club when it comes to contracts or with a new club. And so there is a necessity, I think, to have that middleman. It's just, it's unregulated and it's just a bit of, it just seems as if agents are getting a little bit too much slice of the pie. So kind of to go into the history of football agents, apparently before the 1990s, most players did not use agents at all. Most of them used their parents. But because of, you know, parents' naivety, 
uh, in the football business, these young footballers are often given less than stellar contracts by mm. clubs, which yielded in lower salaries than they you know, ought to deserve. Apparently in Sweden, there are only three licensed agents in 1995, and that went up to 33 in 2002. Overall, in 2002, there were 5,187 5, uh, licensed in football worldwide. Uh, which is which is mm. pretty mad. Obviously, mm. since two thousand and one, uh, the agents are now licensed by separate FAs. So, it's quite difficult to pinpoint when agents specifically enter the game. But there is a man called Dennis Roach, who was regarded as football's first high-profile agent, um, who had a career of more than two decades. So he helped negotiate deals for some of the best players yeah. in the world, including Johan Cruyff, Glenn Hoddle, Mark Hughes, Terry Venables, and Harry Redknapp. And it was also behind the world's first one million transfer fee, which was paid for who? Uh, Big Trev. Yeah, Big Trev. <laughs> <laughs> Caught me off guard now. Yeah, <laughs> Big Trevor Francis. Very well done in 1979. <laughs> it, it's a, it, it's still quite a difficult number to deduce how many agents uh, there are in the game currently. In 2015, there's rumoured to be around 6,000 worldwide. Um, but that number has since reduced due to new regulations put in place. I mean, go back to your, your point before about, you know, players would often get not represented by their families, not getting the wages they perhaps deserve. I mean, football has traditionally been a traditionally been a working class sport. So, you know, often talent has been picked up from playgrounds, from Sunday league clubs, you know, from the really from like the commons of London. And, you know, without representation, those players would get taken advantage of. You could have agents that turn up with a pair of football boots that perhaps a kid from a lower family, a lower income family couldn't perhaps afford, particularly the higher, uh, higher quality versions. They might be able to furnish them with footballs, etc., just equipment generally, and that actually can help facilitate their um, their break into the game alongside the likes of you know getting a trial, for example, with a football club. So there definitely is a necessity there, I think, at that level, um, and even you know translates mod- the modern era because I mean look how expensive football boots are. I mean, two hundred two hundred fifty pound ba- pair of football boots you can get now, um, and that's expensive for a lower income family to buy year on year as their kid grows. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think there's a necessity there, but it's, it, yeah, I mean, we're going to go on to now, but I mean, agents just seem to be getting incredibly, incredibly influential, even at the, the very kind of grassroots element of the game. No, I completely agree with you. What boots did you wear when you were playing football in your youth? Did you wear some Sundicos or? Well, I actually, I was a bit annoyed. I, I initially had the, you know, the classic Predators, the mm. Dirtbeck and Predators, Adidas Predators, I then got this like quite lame pair of I think it was like a Sundigo pair like this. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was like eight or nine. Then I went back to some vapors, hmm. some Nike vapors. And then when I eventually I broke my leg playing at uni, and they got cut off by the ambulance staff. I had a pair of uh, F50s, and they were like yeah, they were like the, the top range ones, like expensive pair, and they were cut off. And I broke my leg, so that was just, that was heartbreaking. And I haven't bought a pair since. <laughs> Have you not? Well, no, I've, well, I have, but it's like a really, really like kind of poor pair that I wear for five aside. But ah, uh, fair play. <laughs> so the next thing I thought I'd go through football super agents. So I uh, got some data from Transfer Market as of 2019. I think I had to mention the year because I don't want shots fired from someone. <laughs> uh, some of my enemies out there might try and gun me down. So I thought I would, I'd let them know it is data from 2019. Uh, but it's the top five grossing agents in the world. I, I doubt it's changed too much with the names on the list. But um, first on it is Jonathan Barnett with commissions at $128 million. His contracts totaling, so the number of the value of all the contracts he has at $1.28 billion. 
which Jesus. is actually a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jonathan Barnett is the founder of Stellar Group Limited. Uh, funnily enough, his actual first client in sport was Brian Lara. Those, cr- <laughs> those, those cricket games were top tier. Yeah, top notch, mate. I mean, I've yeah. just noticed that you popped it on today. You've got, he's, well, he must be 71 now, is he? Yeah, he's pretty old. <laughs> that, is, that is crazy to think that, you know, the top super agent is that old. I mean, they're not, mm. none of them are spring chickens, particularly Mina, mm. uh, for a number of reasons. But yeah, I mean, Brian Lara cricket game was just out of this world. And I've yet to see, well, yet to see a cricket game really on PlayStation or Xbox really reach those heights. Yeah, I think cricket and rugby games are absolutely garbage. But um, moving back <laughs> on to uh, Jonathan Barnett. Yeah, so weirdly, yeah, his, his first client was Brian Lara, and he was also involved uh, with bringing up Lennox Lewis uh, through as well. So he actually was involved in quite a few different sports mm. before settling on football, where his clients currently include Gareth Bale, Sal Niguez uh, of Atletico, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Jordan Pickford. He was also the mastermind behind Bale's £86 million move uh, from Tottenham mm. to Real Madrid. His agency is the fourth biggest in the world in all sports and the number one in football. And the best fact about Jonathan Barnett by Country Mile was he <laughs> it was part of the scandal with Cashley Cole in 2006. <laughs> that's, that's not a typo, that's Cashley Cole. In 2006, <laughs> um, he was banned by the Football Association for 12 months and fined £100,000 for arranging a secret rendezvous between his client, Cole, and Chelsea Football Club. So that was the whole situation. Now, <laughs> Arsenal were crying because they believed the player was being tapped up. I think we ended up selling Cole anyway for five million plus William Gallas, which, looking back at the time, yeah. was a st- stellar deal for Arsenal. And Gallas was absolutely garbage. Was it a stellar deal? What to <laughs> Cole for five mil? Well, yeah, so- we lost. Yeah, we lost Cole for five mil. But William Gallas was starting for Chelsea. He's a very good player. Um, yeah, but he well, was just- not. Yeah, I was just looking because I mean, hundred k is not a lot. I mean, I was trying to think back to when it was. I mean, um, it would have been around kind of two thousand eight. That was Mourinho, yeah, about two thousand eight, yeah, two thousand seven, around that time. So, mm. well, I suppose you made ten percent of the deal, and you would have made five hundred k. So, yeah, it seemed like it's it's uh, a fine that's kind of representative of the uh, the crime to an extent. But yeah, well, um, the the deal at the time, I think Ashley Cole wanted to be paid. Was it six? No, the the deal Arsenal offered him was fifty k or fifty five k, and Ashley Cole, sorry, Cashley Cole, famously said, yeah, "When yeah. I saw what they offered me, and then he swerved my car off the road." So I hope he has a very unhappy day to day life currently. Yeah, but didn't didn't he? Do, I swear he only got like a, a fraction more. I might be wrong. Yeah, he did. I swear it was in like sixty sixty five k or something. But you don't call him Cashley for nothing, I suppose. Yeah, he's one. He's one of those weird players where obviously he came through Arsenal's ranks, but he associates himself with Chelsea now, which is which is quite interesting, but that's mm. for another day. I'm getting quite angry, so we'll, we'll move <laughs> on. Um, moving to number two on the list is the person Barnett said is the only person in football to be close to him, and that is Jorge Mendes, with mm. his commissions at $118 million. Contracts are worth $1.18 billion, which is mad as well. Yeah. Uh, Mendes had a football career, which, and it was forced to end early after he was rejected by several clubs. Uh, he then worked in a bar and he brokered his first deal in 96 when he moved Nuno Espirito Santos from Vittoria de Gamares to Deportivo La Coruña. And I believe Bruno was in the bar that he worked at. <laughs> after that deal, which is mad, after that deal, uh, Mendes gradually attracted more Portuguese players. Hugo Viana's move from Sporting to Newcastle in 2002 for 12 million euros oh, was his classic. first. 
It's a classic Newcastle United sign at that time. <laughs> you know what? When I read that, I thought, who? <laughs> 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 because, yeah, you're right. 12 million back then is a lot of money. And I know this guy didn't do anything because if he did, I would have heard of him. Uh, uh, yeah, he rings a bell, but it's just not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was I was quite young in 2002. I was about seven or eight, but you know that was all 32. If they ask you, Dryden, but I think <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was a bit of a shocking deal. But yeah, that that developed part of Mendes' strategy, and he grew and grew and grew. He became a frequent feature at football schools and youth teams throughout Portugal, and that enabled him to sign up Cristiano Ronaldo, which was a fantastic steal, and obviously Ricardo Caresma. Mm. And his current list of clients include Fabinho still, and uh, obviously Cristiano. Mm, yeah, it's interesting that relationship with uh, with Nuno goes back that far. It does actually make a lot of sense. That feels like that the Wolves picture. And as we go through this podcast as well, this episode is actually starting to make a lot more sense. Mm. Uh, it does seem to make a lot, yeah, a lot more sense than that. But it's, um, yeah, I had no idea that Nuno's relationship went back that far. And the fact we've now got so many Portuguese players at Wolves uh, with Nuno as, as manager and the influence that that Jorge uh, Mendes has over the club, um, over the, or at least over their transfer policy, um, is starting to make a bit of sense. It is indeed. Third on the list is uh, probably the most outspoken of the three, uh, <laughs> Mina Raiola. Uh, he's got contracts, a commission, sorry, worth $70.3 million and contracts worth $703 million. Those who know Pogba very well will know that this guy uh, is very outspoken when defending his players. He actually played uh, youth team football, which I didn't know and couldn't really tell, but he did do. Uh, <laughs> but he stopped playing at 18 uh, to become head of a football youth team. He then was a player and an administrator, and he was still working as an agent and began working with an agency called Sports Promotions. Uh, they helped with several high transfer high-profile, sorry, Dutch players moving to Italian clubs, including Dennis Bergkamp to Inter. After a while, he decided to leave and start his own business with his first big independent transfer being Pavel Nedved's signing from Sparta Prague well to played. Lazio for his impressive performances at Euro 96, where Nedved's Czech Republic reached the final. In August 2016, many years later, after multiple clients, he had Zlatan as well. I'm aware he was, he's been with Zlatan, I believe, since his Ajax days. But in 2016, he was part of, obviously, the deal which took Paul Pogba to Manchester United, where he reportedly made 25 million euros from the 105 million transfer fee, which is mad. <laughs> That's a lot of money. I, I employ anyone who's listened to this to please go on uh, Mino Raula's uh, Wikipedia page and look at the photo that's there, top right. It's absolutely brilliant. He just looks like he's a member of The Godfather. It's like a black and white photo. He's, not black, he's 53 as well. I don't know why it's in black and white, but... Um, <laughs> he just looks like a member of the, of the Italian mafia. It's weird you said that because he actually went and bought uh, um old mobster's house in LA. Oh, maybe I'll I can't, I can't <laughs> remember whose house it was. I, I remember reading it. Well, Minerola, he bought someone's house, buys... I'm going to keep my mouth shut, I think, then, because I could be getting removed from society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's bought, <laughs> he's bought the Miami home of uh, Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you should keep quiet, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I assumed that Mina, uh, Mino, Mino, yeah, Mino uh, was the biggest super agent, more because of his, you know, he's outspoken. I mean, there's that picture of him and uh, Pogba in the uh, swimming pool. I think it was a couple of summers ago where they were drinking like, out of champagne flutes like it was you know he looked like a superstar 
I mean, he's not the biggest now, but if you look at the list of his players in his kind of roster, you've got the likes of Zlatan and uh, Ronaldo. No, sorry, Ronaldo's Pogba's, but you've got the likes of Zlatan and Pogba, as you mentioned. But then you've got more up-and-coming players there, like Erling Haaland, even mm-hmm. like some Moise Keane, Matthew Delit. Mm-hmm. They've done a rumour as well. These, these are quite high-profile players. Um, so perhaps, uh, Daniel Malin as well. So perhaps we could be seeing him rise up the ranks, particularly as uh, as Jonathan Barnett's absolutely no spring uh, chicken. But I, to be honest with you, before we started exploring this topic, I actually wasn't overly aware who Barnett was. It was probably kind of, we kind of, you know, bring back that point that we only really hear about those kind of, well, often only hear about those really outspoken, uh, flashy agents like Mino. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um, what's it quite interesting now is the remaining two names in the list. So, in fourth place, you've got a guy called Volker Struth, whose commissions are at forty-three point seven million. Contracts mm. are worth four hundred thirty-seven million. Um, he isn't someone who's in, as involved in the media as other, the other names in the list, but he's an agent who primarily deals with German clients. And I think this is the point. I think it's quite important for the pod is it's very noticeable the gulf between revenue between himself, yeah. the top three. You could kind of argue with Mina a, a little bit as well because the other two guys are, are quite far ahead in, in the billions. But, you know, I would still count him due to maybe the history of clients he's had as well as the persona. But yeah. then this guy, I would say, you know, we're looking at about three times <laughs> his contract total to get towards the top two, which is, you know, substantial. Yeah. And I think for him to be the fourth biggest grading, grossing agent in the world says a lot about how big the top two and the top three in particular are in football. I mean, his clients include some brilliant players. I mean, Tony Cruz, Marco Royce, and Umpa Makano, who's obviously just moved to Bayern Munich um, for yeah. his, uh, his release clauses in the 40, 40 millions. But I think it says a lot there about, you know, what is an actual super agent? There are the honourable mentions as well. You know, Kier Drabchen at Arsenal, who has clients including Louise and Cedric Suarez, who they said had a massive influence there. Pini Zavi, who helped broker Rio Ferdinand's deal to Man United. He's also got Lewandowski on top of his list. Alessandro Lucci was actually the fifth agent in that top 10 list. His clients include Suso and Benucci, but his revenue as well was in the, his commissions was in the 20s. I think it was 25 million and his contracts was about in the 300s, which again highlights how big those top two guys are. Yeah. So I think from doing this pod, I think what defines a super agent isn't, solely the money it's the brand itself i think what the three guys have achieved to a certain degree is they are a brand and also that they're, they're within their own right they're quite newsworthy i mean you're, you made a good point about jonathan barnett but through bail i've become quite aware of who he is you know yeah. he, he's quite outspoken and he kind of creates a spotlight to defend him right because that's his biggest client same with raola mendes probably the same as well the difficulty for him is obviously he's more involved with Spanish or Portuguese clients but I think it's the same sort of thing right where they themselves are kind of these brands that move around the game I mean Jorge Mendes has his own awards (laughs) (laughs) he has his own awards which is just like it's crazy really that these 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 people have grown so big within the game now that they have so much influence and so much say and I think that influence that media pool that attention and that you know how well they are known throughout the game is what makes them so big rather than the money sold itself. Yeah, I mean, no agent to extent is much... This is why it's kind of seen as kind of flawed because if you're an agent and your player is at a club and he's happy at that club, um, it's still not in your interest for him to stay there for his entire career, is it really? I mean, he'll, you'll get a slice of perhaps contract 
uh, renewals, um, I'd imagine. But say you're Steven Gerrard, who's at, the, who's at Liverpool for his entire playing career. You're set to, as, a, as, an, as his agent, as much as it's good to be Steven Gerrard's agent for the, the profile side of it, you're set to make far less than if you are the agent of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for example. Mm. Um, so that's where the kind of the, I suppose it's the same with anyone who's kind of a middleman kind of salesman, who has kind of, you're always going to question their morals or their intentions. Um, but I think one of the reasons they're also becoming quite influential now is that the bigger they grow, it's almost like the the more clubs and the authorities dare not to challenge their influence because if you're, I mean, we've seen United spats with the likes of Mino, Raiola, but I mean, if you're a club like Arsenal, for example, do you really want to piss off the top three agents in the world? Probably not. Because no. <laughs> you're not going to sign this list of uh, current and up-and-coming players that are under their, within their rosters. So, yeah, I completely agree. And it kind of goes on to the point about how super agents have changed the markets, which is what you've said. So, I think what agents have done is they've made negotiations more difficult for clubs by driving hard bargains. You know, we, we've all been there on Football Manager when you have a difficult agent. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, and, you know, he's not... <laughs> you want to spend... You want to pay him 80k a week and the agent does the little amber symbol, which means, okay, if you, you lowball me... Yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> you, you, you lowball me again, uh, we're going to walk away. And I think that kind of mirrors real life as well with these agencies. They drive yep. hard bargains for their clients, which is why we're seeing astronomical fees for players being paid not just in terms of transfer fees but also wages skyrocket and that won't slow down because money in the game is ever increasing i also think these agents play such a key role in how these players are portrayed in the media you know they really protect mm. their clients over bad point but you know bad bits of form or they point blame at the manager i mean J- jamie carragher actually launched an attack on cedric suarez william and louise blaming kia Jirabchin's influence at arsenal and Jirabchin literally came out himself and public <laughs> defended his clients and uh basically started um, mentioning that carragher's a bad person because of his suspension over sky you know the whole spitting scandal yeah. and, like yeah. how can he how can you listen to this man who's not respected he said it on talk sport so relevant to the actual topic, but yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> it's quite it's quite mad because these guys, you know, we haven't even met. Kia's not in the top five. He wasn't in the top 10. But these guys that are involved have so much influence and say now that they kind of just come forward and, you know, are willing to enter the media and defend themselves publicly and their clients as he did do them. Jonathan Barnett's the same. Uh, he labelled Zidane a disgrace when Bale failed to get his transfer to China. And, you know, they're ultimately trying to protect uh, their player or protect their own image, which will then help them get uh, new clients on board. Um, I kind of feel like that image and that media persona is kind of what makes them super, which is which is what I mentioned yeah. earlier. But then also there's the flip side as well of how they manipulate markets to benefit clubs. So we're all aware of Jorge Mendes's uh, link to Wolves, where he's officially an advisor to the executive chairman, uh, Jeff Shee. But his influence is mad. I mean, Wolves have nine nine Portuguese players plus the coach. Willian Jose is Brazilian, so obviously Portuguese speaking. So you could say maybe 10 Portuguese speakers, 11, including the coach. In Wolves, in Wolverhampton. Why would there be... (laughs) Why would there be 11 Portuguese people in Wolverhampton without Mendes' influence? Just a coincidence, man. It's it's crazy, the, <laughs> the, the link and influence that he has at the club. And also the ethics of it is a bit weird as well because, you know, we said before the call, we read about the Fabio Silva deal where he signed for £40 million. Pounds, yeah. But the chairman publicly came out and said that his release clause was actually £10 million. Now, that's probably a lie. 
to a degree, but there may be an element of truth there where, you know, ethically, if we've got an agent as an advisor to Portuguese players, then surely the money that the clubs are paying is being dictated by the agent for him to benefit, yeah. which is a very murky water because, you know, Wolves are, my flatmate said this yesterday, Wolves are in the perfect spot, right? Where no one will complain because of where they are. If Wolves are champions of England, they'll complain because people will say, oh, this is because of Mendes' dealings, it's, it's illegal, it's not yeah. very good. And if they get relegated, the fans will complain, being like, oh, Mendes has given us terrible Portuguese players for like hundreds of millions, he's ruined the club. <laughs> but Wolves are in the perfect spot where they're just not doing badly enough and not doing well enough that they've kind of gone under the radar. But I think it's something definitely to watch as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, just a, a bit of background to that. I mean, it is uh, illegal within football to have, for an agent to have a formal role at a football club for obvious reasons, because yeah. they yeah. represent players, they represent the players of other football clubs as well, which is a good point you mentioned there um, around how that could influence the market, influence, you know, if you are Wolves and you are top of the Premier League, um, in theory, George Mendes could quite quite easily or with some varying degree of success influence another football club uh, via transfers, via his own uh, clients that are within those clubs and so it's is really shady and as you said the money going to him he's in, an inflated fee suggests an inflated agent fee what happens to that money after that you know it, it feels it, it feels like as if everyone's like kind of in on it like you know wolves are on it the ownership the, the force in ownership jose mendez his company and then even the, the clubs such as porto are they in on this as well are they because a lot of jose mendez's clients will be there um he may have influence at that club as well so you just you just feel like it is so shady and it is just a means of gaining advantage. So, I mean, there was talk when they were in the championship. Wolves have been investigated by I believe it was the EFL or the FA, but I don't believe that was followed up on. Um, perhaps it was when they made it to the the safe the safe waters of the Premier League. <laughs> we can get away with much more. Yeah. But perhaps that's it. But uh... no, I completely agree. I think finally to to round things off is what do clubs think. <laughs> Football's one of those games, I had to exhale because it's a tough one. I think football <laughs> is greedy, <laughs> full stop. So yeah. whether it's the players, the clubs, you know, the owners, everyone's quite greedy. And I think the game currently, well, clubs aren't happy with how much money is going towards agents and how much influence they have. I mean, 25 million towards the transfer of uh, Pogba out of 105 is quite a lot. I mean, Wenger famously vowed to never work with agents again after Jorge Mendes uh, messed him around with trying to get Falcao from Porto. Uh, he did dilly-dally with, obviously, Mkhitaryan with the Alexis Sanchez deal, but, you know, I guess the relationship thawed then and asked her in a tough spot. Managers like OGS have been unhappy with how much, say, the likes of Rola have at the club. You know, he's publicly said, literally, Pogba is done at United. He wants to go back to Italy. That's not... <laughs> That's not helpful, you know, yeah. like, you know, in the middle of a season, it's a long year, you know, you've got to play with such a high profile. That isn't helpful. FIFA are also concerned, um, you know, they're pushing ahead with new rules to cap uh, the limits of how much agents earn. But it comes back to that point of football is very greedy. So it's a, it's a delicate situation. You know, you don't want agents to have total power that can leave clubs vulnerable to bigger sides. You know, if there's a talented young player who's represented by Rola and you're a Portsmouth or something, and you get outpriced because of his agency fees. That is unfair. But yeah, on the flip, on the flip side, these clubs are massive. So yeah. it's not as if Arsenal are crying over pennies for not dealing with these agents. But you don't want to give too much power to them because you know these clubs are you know strong enough as it is. So it's it's a really delicate 
situation and one which I think will rumble on and on. Yeah, I mean, agents are seemingly very, very uh, concerned and very obsessed with money, but then so are football clubs as well, to, even to a higher extent. Talk about morals. I mean, a football club would quite happily discard a player or play them far less than what they're worth if they could. I mean, I, I know I'm generalising there, can't speak to about every club and every agent in the same way, perhaps, but, you know, that is kind of how things are perceived. I mean, we mustn't forget that players are athletes and not businessmen. So you could argue that the only two types or only two kind of stakeholders in the process that are actually morally clean are the footballers and the fans. I mean, footballers have an invest interest in money. They get labelled as greedy quite often, um, but they're still, they've still pursued their dream. It's still their dream to perform and it is still their job. Fans obviously have a vested interest because they're supporters. They enjoy the game. They are the, the consumers of the sport. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's all for us this from us this week. Thank you, Eches, for the insights on uh, agents and super agents. Uh, it's a it's a much talked about topic. One that Gary Neville absolutely loves banging on about. Um, so <laughs> yeah, he does indeed, doesn't he? Yeah. So, but but yeah. Thank you all for listening. Until you subscribe to us on our platforms, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers. <laughs>